Welcome to the Taking the Leap podcast, where you can learn how to launch your full-time career in this part-time gig economy. No matter what career you're in, you have the potential to be the best version of you and overcome whatever obstacles stand in your way. And now, here's your host, the CEO of Bonvera, Bob Dickey. Welcome. I'm Bob Dickey. I'm your host of this podcast, and I'm really excited to be able to sit down and start this journey with you guys today. I'm speaking with a good friend and also co-worker and a person who has been an inspiration behind this particular podcast. I had an opportunity to work with this young lady uh, when she was an intern at Crown Financial Ministries. And subsequently, when I became the CEO of Bonvera, I asked if she would join our team, and she did as our marketing manager, and she's done an incredible job. She's University of Tennessee graduate, so near and dear to my heart, obviously there. But other than that, just a phenomenal young lady, full of passion, energy, uh, super talented, and I am talking about none other than Casey Roths. So, Casey, <laughs> thank you for being on the podcast with us today. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I can't believe I'm getting to do this. It's crazy. I could pinch myself. Well, the, the, the funny thing is, is that you've been this, this voice behind the scenes, uh, hearing from members of our community, asking for us to launch a podcast. And you have been doing all the research and you know that I'm such a huge podcast fan. I mean, I listen to them all. I've got a, a whole litany of podcasts that are my favorites. And you've been encouraging me for quite some time. Probably got to do this. We got to do this. <laughs> and you uh, brought in some great folks to kind of help us get it kicked off. And there's been uh, a, a few months now in a row where I was just like <laughs> dragging my feet. And finally, I just said, I don't know if I want to do this. And uh, it's it's somewhat nerve wracking to kind of record something that's going to go out uh, that anybody can get a hold of and listen to. And finally, said, Bobby, got to do it. And so here I've been recording some podcasts and kind of hopefully getting my sea legs underneath me. And I said, all right, I, you got me into this. I'm dragging you. Uh, you're you're going to be a part of it. And you're like, what? And so I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you said yes. I, of course, I wasn't going to let you say no. So. <laughs> I was trying to get myself out of it. Yeah, that was I, I had the upper hand on this one. Um, but, I, you know, I think it's a great place for us to start and just for us to uh, talk about why you're passionate. I mean, you're obviously very passionate about this. I think not only is it just a, a great platform for us to be able to, to reach our audience and our community and to be able to interview a lot of really cool thought leaders and people who are doing great things within business, within nonprofits, within the corporate world, within the private sector. I, I love learning from, from people who are doing great and seeing what makes them tick, seeing the, the things that you know, motivate, inspire them, learn from their challenges and mistakes. Uh, but that's always, you know, motivational for me. And I know that you've been, you know, very passionate about this kind of from day one when you heard about the possibility of us doing this. You know, wh why is that? I thought you'd be such a phenomenal podcast host. I you can't turn it back on me. I, Come on, no, don't. That's not it. <laughs> I knew the show would be such a unique perspective that isn't out there currently, especially about the part-time gig economy, the side hustles, and especially with so many of our thought leaders their unique perspectives mm -hmm. on business and leadership and how to serve others. It's really unique. I, I knew it would be a really powerful tool for our people, but even just for, for others. So often I'm listening to these episodes and I'm thinking, man, my sister who's in college right now trying to figure out her career, she would benefit so much from listening to mm -hmm. this. One of the, the things that I've 
kind of seen on some of the other podcasts I listen to. It just it seems like it's always you know some successful CEO, um, you know, business leader, thought leader, and they, a lot of them have a similar career path. And one of the things that I'm hoping that we're able to do is shine the light on in this new economy. There are so many different career paths that a person can take to have success. I think the options are limitless today. <laughs> um, you know, back when I was go- in high school and, you know, going into college, the, 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 the path was maybe, I would say, a little more narrow, right? It was a little more pre-prescribed. Uh, and today, it's just like, I mean, America's always been a land of opportunity. I don't, don't, don't get me wrong. But I, I just feel like the the opportunity that we have today in today's economy for people to be entrepreneurs and to start their own journey. And um, there's so many diverse people with different backgrounds that are doing it and doing it very well. And I want to have a whole host of those types of folks coming on and just sharing their story and, and telling us what they've learned. Do you find, I mean, so you, you know, you're a university of Tennessee graduate as well as I am. And, but I mean, you've recently graduated mm-hmm. as you came up through the business program there and interfacing with young millennials. What do you feel are the, the challenges or the things that are at the forefront of their minds as they're graduating from college? I mean, I, f- I feel like you've got your finger on the pulse of, of, of that younger generation a little better than I do. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I really appreciate about you is I'm, I'm always learning from you. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, I'm seeking counsel and guidance from you in terms of how, you know, what are, what are the young people thinking about? What's, what are they, what's motivating them and what's maybe, a, you know, fears and insecurities that they may have as they enter their career? Well, you kind of just touched on something right now. You said you expressed how many options there are now. And in a way that's so freeing for so many millennials and rising college grads, but it's also makes it so much harder because mm-hmm. there are so many options. There isn't necessarily a straight and easy path or a straight and easy answer. And that makes it almost more challenging in a way. You have so much freedom, but yet at the same time, there's not any clarity. There's there's less clarity in a way. So it becomes harder to make a decision when you already feel like you're making a pretty big decision yeah. about what career path to take or what you're passionate about and what you want to pursue. So you feel like the breadth of opportunity almost creates a paralysis of analysis. Mm-hmm. just... The, you know, I always hear the, you know, the FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. It's like, and I've had multiple um, millennials that I have mentored over the years and uh, even some to at right now and where there's a really big decision right in front of them. And it's a, they're, they're faced with three or four great opportunities, right? It's not between like a, a really good opportunity and a bad opportunity. They're all great opportunities mm-hmm. and just completely paralyzed of like, I don't know what to do. I want to do this. But if I do that, you know, what if this other one was great? And you know, whether it's whether it's not only career, but it could also be in relationships, right? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, I see that over and over again, almost like this a real difficulty for young people to be able to make a decision and and make a commitment. Why why is that? I, I don't want to I don't want to paint with a broad brush because I mean I think that that happens for with all people, right? I mean I I face challenging decisions of you know things that I have to make decisions with in life, so I don't want to paint the millennials with a broad brush there, but maybe explain that. Well, the rise in technology, social media, comparison, those all play really, really big factors into decisions 
For instance, all the time in in college, I remember my last year, we're so connected via social media Mm -hmm. that we're often comparing what other students or other peers or friends are going through. And we want, you know, maybe a similar level of achievement or a similar level of reputation or credibility or success. And even at the same time, we're comparing ourselves to our parents and we're wanting what they have now mm-hmm. later on in their careers, but right right then when we graduate. Something about that instant gratification in the technology and social media has changed our mindset in that way. So it becomes harder to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Social media has robbed us of like some of our own identity in a way, which makes it harder to make a decision. You know, that's really interesting. I've never thought of that, but I think you just hit the nail on the head on something really important. As I think about my journey through college and then into my career, so I graduated in 93. Uh, you know, the, the internet is just starting and email <laughs> and computers are really just starting to kind of form through my college years, right? And, you know, the big tech boom was happening right as I was graduating. But we didn't have any of this, this, this social media, right? So I, I didn't have any of that social or peer pressure of everything that was going on with all my other peer group. Mm-hmm. The only way for me to know is if I sat down and asked somebody, hey, what are you doing? What's your experience like? What's your life like? You know, and, and, uh, and then you had more of a human connection to that person, too. It wasn't this digital fakeness right. with someone else. And where I'm trying to measure up all the time, right? So I was able to kind of explore through college and def- somewhat define what I uh, wanted to do, what mattered to me, what I was passionate about, based on just me, not, or not based on what's going on around the world, what other people are doing, worrying, okay, is this career measuring up in somebody else's you know, book? Uh, and the same thing, it, it allowed me to also be in my career and just have like my own career path for the, the probably the, early part of my career with, um, without that social comparison. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think it allows you to incubate some ideas and uh, have time to, for things to kind of germinate and take root and to grow. Uh, and I, and I, as I see it now, you, you've lived your life through college and your first part of your career is completely different than mine because of that comparison and the social media and everything that's happening. So I can totally see how that could be something that people struggle with. It's so cool that that time you had to, to make up your own career path for yourself using your own voice, mm-hmm. how freeing that must have been, because y- you could decide. You mm-hmm. didn't have the influence or opinions of so many other people, or even if no one was telling you, but you had all of mm-hmm. their like, oh, I wonder what they'll think, or oh, I wonder what this person will say about me doing yeah. this, or that sort of thing. You had the freedom and space to decide that for yourself. So I did have certain things as I was going through UT you know, where, you know, social pressures, right? Uh, so I was Air Force ROTC while I was in college. And so one of the things that you had to do was on one day of the week, you wore your Air Force ROTC uniform around campus, right? And mm-hmm. I, I'd wear it to all my classes, right? That was just that you had to do that. And this was right as I was about getting ready to graduate. So here, I'm a, I'm a college kid. Um, yeah, I, I'm ROTC. I remember walking to class one day, <laughs> and I, I walked past a group of students, and this one guy uh, just leaned over. And it, 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 remember, we're talking University of Tennessee. We're talking the South. We're talking patriotic country down here, right? And a guy on the sidewalk just leaned over and spit on me. 
and said, baby. Really? Oh, yeah. He just, just a big, big water spit, poof, spit on me and said, baby killer. And I was just completely stunned because I had never experienced anything like that. And I literally oh just, I, so I looked at him, just kind of wiped it off and just walked away. Right. And just kept on walking to class. I was just a little bit stunned. I'm like, what? Uh, I may have had a couple words with the guy. Um, <laughs> I won't go into all those details, but so there, there, there were times like that. And I had another person who said, Oh, Bob, you don't want to join the military. Right. You know, you want to do this, but I, I, that's one or two negative incidents early in my career where someone was trying to speak, you know, into my career path. Mm. And I just, but I was so resolute on what I wanted to do and why I wanted to serve and why I was passionate about it. I didn't let it bother me, but I can imagine that young people today, like so in social media, let's say someone's deciding to take a, you know, a career path that might be um, a little bit out of the norm, you know, whether taking a a gap years become kind of you know prevalent and kind of normal, but maybe you're, they're, they're choosing a different path in life, and that the, the social pressures that they've got to be feeling twenty four seven on all forms of social media. What are you doing? What do you mean you're not doing X Y and Z? What do you mean you're not going and trying to get X Y Z degree? You're in that constant echo chamber. I had it a mm-hmm. couple of times, but I was able to just walk away and you know be done with it, be on with my life. So I can't imagine what that must be like for a young person. In a way, I feel like you have to become resolute and strong in what you believe or or what you value and what is important to you, which, of course, takes time because in college and as you're navigating your career, you're, you're kind of yeah. finding who you are also and, and what matters to you and what you're passionate about and what's important to you. But you, you do. And so it almost makes you more tenacious and more bold in yeah. a way because you've had to fight off the influence and opinions of others. Yeah, so it's interesting you say that. I was thinking maybe your your um, internal compass, right, in terms of your passion to go what, after whatever it is that you're going after, my, uh, uh, today's generation might even be stronger than it was in the past because you're having to chart a course, especially I'm talking about folks who are maybe charting a course that is uh, outside of the status quo, different from the norm, who are being bombarded by those types of social pressures they've probably got you know, a, a really strong true north that's guiding them and say, I know this is exactly what I want to do. I know I'm passionate about this. Um, and so it takes a, a lot of intestinal fortitude to be able to, to do that. Bob, now, might I ask, if you were in my shoes today as a millennial, was, is there anything you would have done differently in your career or have navigate, made a different decision? Well, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think I don't know anybody who's lived life who can look in the rearview mirror and say, I made 100% the right decisions. I've never <laughs> made a mistake. I wouldn't ask for a do-over. There's a whole host of things, right, that I would ask for a do-over on uh, in some respects, right? In other respects, I mean, I, I think about some of the, the biggest challenges that I navigated, and I take a look at where I'm at today, and I think it was through those challenges that made me who I am. Mm-hmm. That, that, that th- th- those scars, uh, those wounds, wh- whatever you might want to call them, have made me who I am and, and enable me, I think, to be the leader that I am, the, the husband that I am, the father that I am. So you, you don't want to lose that. Those are you know, great and valuable lessons that I cherish even though some, some of them are painful. Mm-hmm. There's a whole host of things that I would probably take a look at. I, mean, I know you're a huge education advocate. I know you, do you ever wish you'd gone back in time and read more books at my age, like younger in your career? That, that is a great question. <laughs> I, I, let me, so let me share with you. I, when I was in college, 
uh, it's my, my undergrad, right? So when I got my master's degree, it was a little bit different because I was really hyper-focused on my master's program. I had to be because I was doing an engineering program and I didn't have an engineering background. So I had to like really take a bunch of prerequisites that I didn't have. Um, and so I felt very laser focused, uh, at that moment in time, but in my undergrad, I was juggling so many different things, right? So I was captain of the track and cross country team. I was an air force ROTC, you know, I'm a college student. Um, I got married halfway through college. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, between pretty my, busy. <laughs> extremely busy and had, a, and, and had a child in college. Oh, so, wow. So juggling an awful lot. And so I feel like probably I look back and I see someone today, like my daughter, right? She's my daughter's at the University of Tennessee and she's a student and uh, she's in a sorority, but just a student at UT and just loving the educational experience and just throwing herself into it. And, she, and I feel like there's aspects of my college experience where I didn't really get to experience all the academics that I wish I could have. Mm. I, I, I did well. The person I am today, I would have lived in the library, right? Loved it. And I yeah. loved it. I, I, I love books. I love reading. Uh, I love studying. That w definitely was not my passion when I was 18 years old. <laughs> you had a lot of other stuff going on. <laughs> so, <laughs> Some pretty uh, big, important stuff that impacted yeah. the rest of your career, too. Yeah. Um, but that, that's one thing that I would I, I wish I would have had that time. I, I think people who have the opportunity to spend four years if they're if they're going to go to college and I'm not saying that everybody has to. There's a lot of, you know, a, a lot of successful people that will be interviewing on this show have never gone to college and mm -hmm. have had incredible success. Uh, so college is not for everybody. And it, today, with the costs of college, it, it, I can make a, a good argument that it's probably not the path for a lot of uh, of folks. That there's mm -hmm. other opportunities and way to have a very successful and fruitful career um, without taking on lots of student loan debt and things like that. But for those people who are pursuing a career where a, a college degree is required, um, I yeah, I would just encourage you. You have four years, right? And relish that time, not for the freedom it gives you in terms of, this is going to sound like some old, you know, dad, dad <laughs> talk. The encouragement would be relish that time in terms of just letting your mind grow mm -hmm. and, and soak up every single opportunity to learn, um, to get in, you know, discussions with your professors, to have um, you know, weekend get togethers with, you know, the, the, the staff and, um, there's all sorts of opportunity to just, you know, soak up all of that knowledge. Um, I, I, I wish I would have done more of that when I was in my undergrad. Bob, I know that your first job, you went right out of college into the military. Uh, what was your first job like in, in the military and what did you learn? Oh, wow. it's a great question. Um, learned quite a bit. I mean, I don't think you're ever really fully prepared for your first job. Uh, and I know that no matter what industry or career field you, you, start in early in life, I mean, the learning curve is going to be huge. Uh, I would say that in the military, that's no exception. And so my, my first day on the job, here's what I learned. It is a leadership cauldron, right? The military is known for growing and developing leaders. Uh, one of the things that I really enjoyed about it was the fact that at a very young age or early age in your career, you're placed in charge of millions of dollars, you know, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars at times of equipment and budgets uh, in charge of 
um, people, right? And where I, what I found is that as I was watching my peers in the civilian sector, a lot of times you don't get that level of responsibility until a lot later in your career. Uh, so early on, uh, my, in my first job, I, I walked in and I was a brand new butter bar, right? So what they mm-hmm. call a, a second lieutenant, right? So I had gold bars on my, uh, on my shirt, but I was the youngest guy there. And I had been in the military a grand total of, you know, a couple of weeks. And most of the guys in the unit were a lot older than me. Uh, some, most of them were old enough to be my dad and had 20, 25 years of military experience. So you learn really quickly that uh, you, you don't lead by authority and position, although there, there is some of that rank structure and hierarchy in the military, uh, but you've got to lead uh, by, uh, by being a servant leader, uh, by learning. Uh, I had a couple of great mentors early in my military career said, Bob, look, if you want to be successful, what you need to do is get uh, alongside of a, a senior enlisted guy and they'll teach you the ropes. So even though I was their boss, even though I, uh, from a rank structure, I might be a, a, a different rank. Uh, I really was blessed uh, to have a senior master sergeant early on in my career, who later became chief master sergeant, which is the top rank in the military, uh, who taught me a lot. And behind closed doors, really took it upon himself to kind of be a mentor and a coach. Uh, I was also blessed with uh, at my first military base. Little Rock Air Force Base in Little Rock, Arkansas, had two great bosses. So Lieutenant Colonel Springer and Lieutenant Colonel Gibbs. And they really took, both of them had been in the military for 20 plus years. And they really took the the charge of being a mentor uh, to young officers very, very seriously and would pull us in their office and sit us down and, and, and chat with us and coach us up. I, I went out to lunch with them many times where they would just start to you know, share their wisdom. So early on, I, I found the value of no matter what you do in life, finding somebody who's older and wiser than you and not being afraid to be vulnerable and ask questions and learn. Um, you know, the military puts you in a lot of really interesting situations where you're going to have to learn on the fly as be, as best prepared that you think you are. You know, one of the old military adages is, you know, the, the best laid plans uh, n- never stay uh, intact hmm. w- once the battle begins, right? Once the bullets start flying, you're going to, you have to learn very quickly how to pivot and iterate and change, adapt on the fly. Uh, in the Air Force, we said that the, the, the key to air power is flexibility or flexibility is the key to air power. Uh, something always happens and you've got to be able to just adapt and overcome. Failure was never an option. So you're always, I mean, even today I was you know, chatting with you, right? Where we were talking about, hey, there's always going to be an obstacle. There's always going to be something unforeseen that happens and we've got to figure out how to be flexible and you know, overcome it. Um, but to that end, another thing I learned early in my career was that part of the planning process was you never want to have a single point of failure anywhere um, within your plan. Right. So whether it's in a supply chain, whether it's in a, a mission critical uh, area, whether a combat plan or you want to have redundancies built in uh, in case something happens because something always does. Mm-hmm. And so um, from a planning perspective, 
you know, that those are some of the things I learned. I mean, in my first book, The Leap, I chronicle a, a, an instance where I was out on an army installation with a group of Air Force officers and we were on a, on a drop zone and we kind of decided to go do a little joyriding in a Humvee and I ended up sinking mine <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a pretty, it was a pretty crazy situation. And I thought for sure I was going to be, you know, facing Article 15 or I was going to get in trouble. Uh, and when all else seemed lost, there was a senior master sergeant once again who was there. It was like, hey, LT, you know, this isn't, you know, don't worry. This, is, this has been a learning exercise. This is a leadership. Uh, this is a time, you know, you're, you know, use this as an opportunity to train the other LTs. And he had an, an, the ability to reframe that situation where I was looking at it as, oh my gosh, you know, this is bad. To he was reframing it as, hey, this is a learning situation and a learning opportunity, which eventually, if you read the book, he leveraged that to that situation where that incident became a very pivotal moment for me as a young lieutenant at Little Rock Air Force Base, which allowed me to eventually uh, lead a lot of. Uh, DVs or distinguished visitors, congressmen, general officers that would visit the base, I would be the one that would take them out to these drop zones and show them what was going on out there because that was the heart and soul of the, the mission at, at Little Rock. It was the largest uh, C-130 base in the world, training air crews from all over the world. And part of that is them doing low altitude and high altitude um, drops on uh, of equipment, simulated drops on a drop zone. And so people loved getting out there and seeing that. And um, yeah, so it, that, that was an opportunity where what appeared to be a, a disastrous event for me with the power of reframing, looking at it through a different lens. And it, it took someone who was older and wiser uh, to look at it through a different lens and say, no, no, this isn't a, an obstacle. This is actually an opportunity. So it, it, it's, there's too many examples to highlight, but those are you know, some of the things that stick out in my mind you know, early in my career. Um, so I, the, the, the experience was so invaluable. I couldn't put a price tag on it. Certainly set me up for the rest of my career. And anytime someone asks me, Hey, should I take a few years? And I'm thinking about joining the military, uh, serving my country. Is it something worthwhile? Is it something that you know, I should do? I said, look, it's the best time. Um, I, you know, I, I'm so glad I started my career with that and I highly recommend it for anybody. Yeah. So, Bob, you just touched a lot on the incredible mentors you had in your career and in your in your life. And um, you touched a lot on their incredible leadership skills as well. How does that play into your wanting to do a podcast? Well, it, well, that's a great question. I think one of the things I'm passionate about is I've seen how other people have been or how mentors and coaches have had such a huge influence in my life. Now, certainly I would consider, I've have people who are like my, my various bosses and commanding officers in the military, people that I've partnered with in the civilian world, uh, you know, mentors and coaches all throughout that have spoken into my life. But I also consider uh, I've had, in, in some respects, like you, you could say that I've had mentors that I've never even met, right? Now, it's a different type of mentorship. But there's podcasts that I've listened to. There's people that I have I, where I've read their books. I've, uh, I've studied them where they have had a profound impact on my life, even though I may have never met them personally. And maybe I um, had never spent time with them, but they still had a profound impact on me. And one of the things that I'm passionate about is just being able to pay it forward. And I want to be able to 
you know, hopefully there's comments that I will share that might be of encouragement to people on the journey um, that who knows where, you know, these pot, the podcasts will go, but certainly not so much me, but the people that we bring on the show, various individuals from all walks of life, right? We really want to bring a whole host of thought leaders and interesting people who are accomplishing great things in the world and, and just kind of ask them questions about where did you get started? How did you get started? Why did you get started? You know, what, are the, what are the things that you've learned along the way? Those are the, some of the most valuable conversations that I think that I've had. And there's been times where I've, been, I've had those types of conversations with people. I'm like, oh my goodness, I wish you know, so-and-so was here to hear this. And, well, you know, I, it, just now thinking about it, I'm, um, I'm triggered to an event. We were at a, a board retreat. So I was serving with a group of business leaders. And it was a board retreat uh, that was being held in uh, Estes Park, Colorado. And I, I, we were just having breakfast, right? We we're about ready to start an all-day board meeting. And I looked around the table, and I've got a, a head of dark hair, you know, <laughs> and not too many uh, gray, gray hairs at the, at the time. And every single guy at the table was kind of like one stage or two stages of life ahead of me. And to a person, every single one at that table had a full head of gray hair, and some of them were, you know, going bald. So what I'm saying is that they're a lot, old, they're a lot older than me. I'm like, oh my goodness. It just, it just dawned on me. I'm the young pup at the table, <laughs> the one with the least experience, the one with the least knowledge. And all these guys were, and they come from a wide range of life experiences. And so they're all kind of bantering back and forth. And we're just talking. I just, I kind of ch- chimed in at one point and I pulled out my iPhone because it was the only thing that I had with me at the, at the moment. And I opened up the little notepad and I just asked a question. I said, hey, do you guys mind if I, before we get started on this, do you mind if I just ask you guys a question? I said, what is uh, one thing, like if you had it to do all over again, if you could tell your 20 or 30-year-old self something, give your 20 or 30-year-old self, you know, words of encouragement, what would you do differently? And what are the things that you are proud that you did? I just thought it was, I was just curious because they've all, they're all super successful individuals, right? And it was like kind of like the stunned silence for a second. And then one by one around the room, they went. And I didn't know what to expect. But the, the interesting thing uh, of all these successful men, right, we're talking CEOs, chairman of the board, in, in a, a whole host of different industries, that as they're looking back on their life, not too many of them were saying, you know, none, none of them actually like, well, I wish this, wish that. There was a common thread that they all wished that they had spent uh, more time with their family. Mm. And, and I still have these notes on my, on my phone. I have to dig it out and I might have to put it, you know, some of the, the bullet points in the show notes. But one thing that was a common thread for all of them, they said, I wish I would have focused more attention on my health. I did not, mm. and, and I, would have, I would have never guessed that. Yeah. But they said, I wish I would have spent more or focused more attention on my health when I was younger because now I'm de- trying to do this or I've got this health issue. And if I had really focused on this when I was in my 20s or 30s, I think I'd, you know, it would be in a different spot. And that really resonated with me. I mean, I instantly, when I got home, I just told, I told my wife, I was like, you know what? I want to make sure that I've always, I felt like I've been, you know, a pretty healthy guy, but I wanted to, I use that as a triggering moment in my life to double down on, it's like, I want to make sure I'm exercising. I want to make sure I'm, 
you know, eating right and living right, do doing these things, because these are successful guys that I admire. They're ahead of me. I aspire to be like them. And if they're saying that they wish they would have spent more time health wise, then that, I, you know, I want to learn from that. And so for me, I, I want to be able to ask. So imagine that we bring in, you know, different thought leaders uh, from a wide walk of life. And we're able to ask those exact same questions. And, and if nobody else learns from it, no, if, literally, if this is a podcast of one and it's just me <laughs> that's listening to it, I can't wait to ask some of these questions of the people that we've got lined up to be on the podcast because I, I, I want to know for me. I want to I know. So I'm doing this <laughs> a little bit selfishly, uh, you know, just, you know so, that, so that I can learn. Um, but I, I'm really, I'm, and I, to tag on to that, I mean, I just, I know the world is rapidly changing. Uh, everybody's impacted by it. There's, there's nobody uh, that is going to be, you know, unaffected. And I know there's a lot of people who are wanting to navigate this. Young people um, are wanting to, you know, know how to start their career right uh, and get on a, a good solid footing. We've got people who are uh, mid-career professionals that when I'm on, uh, on radio shows and, and, and so forth, the call-in shows, people are asking, how do I pivot, right? How do I reinvent myself? Uh, I know my, I'm in a dying sector. I need to make the leap. I need to go do something different. You know, how, how can I do that? I'm, you know, 40 years old. I'm, I'm married. I've got a couple of kids. It feels like I've got these anchors in life that there's, it's going to be hard for me to reinvent myself or do something different. Can I really take that risk? And the answer is yes, you can. You've got to be very careful. You've got to be intentional. Uh, but with wise counsel, I've seen all sorts of people do it and be wildly successful. And I want to be able to help those folks. And then there's, you've got folks that are later stage of life, right? That they're retiring and they thought they were going to be able to like kind of ride off in the sunset in retirement and they're not quite prepared. And they realize they're going to have to have an encore career. And how do they do that? What are the options available for them? Uh, how do they navigate a, a working retirement um, or an entrepreneurial retirement? So if, if you don't have answers to difficult questions in life, life can be extremely stressful and a lot of times you don't want to do trial and error on your own life, right? Like you don't want to be a, like if you've got like a, 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 a massive wound, you don't want to be practicing surgery on yourself for the very first time. You want so, and that's where you, uh, having a wise counselor, uh, a coach, a mentor, someone alongside, you'd be like, no, 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 I got this. I'll help you. You know, I've done this, right? Uh, so I'm hoping that this podcast is able to provide really important information for people on that entrepreneurial journey folks who are wanting to take the leap. Maybe they've taken the leap and they need help. Maybe they're, you know, on the verge of taking the leap and they just need some encouragement. Uh, but that the podcast is, I want it to be specifically designed for, you know, that sweet spot. It's so interesting. It sounds like that board meeting learnings inspired other learnings from each board member whenever they thought or shared of something that they recently learned and inspired and reminded someone else of something they recently learned mm -hmm. and wanted to share. It catches catches a flame like fire. It's so interesting. So really this podcast really hopefully is that. It, it catches a flame of of learnings and inspirations to share with others, which you're igniting that flame. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. Now, I'm, I'm excited to continue learning on my journey. Uh, and, you know, I had a conversation today with some folks where we were, I was just sharing that, you know, when you have life experiences or you have knowledge and you don't leverage it, you don't pass it on, it's such a waste. Mm -hmm. And um, 
of all the people that I've chatted with that have been successful in life, they've done, you know, amazing things, you know, they really enjoy sharing it and helping the next generation, helping people, you know, that are coming up behind them. And so I think that uh, already we've recorded a couple of podcasts with some of these leaders and you can just sense it, the energy, the excitement for them to be able to share and to talk, um, even talking about some of their failures, right? It's like, here's what I learned. And, you know, um, uh, one, one gentleman said, you know what, even, yeah, I've got some failures, but I don't know if I would want to go back and change anything because this is, this is what makes me who I am today. Right. Um, so I think it's going to be, uh, a, a lot of fun. I think it's going to be educational and our, our job, you know, Casey, me and you, our job along with the, the team that's going to help produce this is for us to just continue to find great people who want to share their story and for us to just ask the right questions and to tease out all of uh, all this knowledge that can be impactful for somebody's life. So Casey, as a young millennial navigating this new ever-changing global economy, and there's been a lot written about um, millennials in the workplace, you know, what millennials um, are doing, what they're not doing, what they aspire to do. You know, I just, I want to understand a little more of, of the mindset of what you know, motivates millennials. What are you guys looking for when you are looking to invest your life, whether it's in a, in a job or to be an entrepreneur? I mean, you're going um, to, to make a living. Uh, it seems like today millennials are not driven so much by earning a dollar, but by being a part of a cause, being uh, passionate about a purpose and doing, you know, having, making a difference in life. Is that, do you, is that how you feel? Is that what you see? Can you shed some light on that? Sure. I wonder if millennials noticed from our parents' generation that it seemed like sometimes they had to make sacrifices of maybe, for instance, not being able to connect what they were passionate about with what they were doing, mm. or uh, maybe being able to connect what they were doing with their values. And maybe there was a disconnect in, an, in older generations because in millennials, it's so important to us that we connect what we're doing with what matters to us and what we're passionate about. We want to, we want more. Mm-hmm. We want to, to do something we love and enjoy, but also that resonates deeply with what we, what we believe in and mm-hmm. what we value, what we find important. For instance, um, I personally love the Noonday Collection uh, Company. I think it's so cool that they partner with local artisans around the world to make handmade jewelry that um, they sell back here in the U.S. that you can wear and mm. don on. And it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. And those are f- female, uh, basically entrepreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. That are crafting. Which, and, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. It provides a market here in the U.S. for that handmade jewelry and handbags and things like that. It even is really similar, for instance, to our Kutano line. Mm-hmm. Our Kutano line is a Moringa superfood line that Bonvera exclusively sells. And it's because we partner with farmers, many of whom are female entrepreneurs in Africa, that grow this Moringa and that because they grow it, they're able to really rewrite their, their lives and mm-hmm. rewrite their stories. First off, they learn how to grow sustainable crops Mm -hmm. through sustainable agriculture practices. And with those crops, they even generate a surplus and Mm -hmm. they can sell that surplus for extra money for food or for their family. Um, Send their kids to school. Yeah, it provides more opportunities for them. We partner with I Was Hungry Mm -hmm. and a lot of of staff from I Was Hungry and even from our organization have visited Mm -hmm. Zimbabwe and they talk a lot about how it changes many of these women's lives mm-hmm. because their husbands aren't working or aren't providing for their families. 
So really, it's rewriting their life. It's even rewriting generations to come with mm-hmm. those, those women's children. So it's just incredible. And even similar to that, too, we have a Thrive Farmers coffee line that I think is really unique and really resonates with millennials as well because we're growing coffee that provides for farmers in parts of Latin America that they get three and a half times more profit than they would selling to other markets because of Thrive's sharing model. Mm-hmm. It provides for a lot of their basic health needs. So they can have good and clean teeth, good and strong and healthy bones and nourished bodies and uh, allows opportunities for the farmers too to continue making their product exceptional. And it is phenomenal coffee as well. So it's such a win-win. I've heard it stated that millennials watch their parents kind of do work that they didn't like and live lives that were unfulfilling all with the hope of retiring and then you know later in their life being able to then pursue their passions i'm I'm a person who watched multiple people in my life that i cared about uh, was close to that retired and then shortly thereafter uh, you know passed away my wife's dad uh, after being an accountant for a Fortune 500 company, retired. And I want to say that was within three months. He died of a heart attack. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, so he got a, he got a, a set of golf clubs, right, as he retired. And this was a guy that was known to be, you know, work around the clock, in on the weekends. He was the company man. When he retired, got a set of golf clubs. I'm like, hey, congratulations, Frank. You know, you're going to go enjoy retirement. Three months later, he died of a massive heart attack. So that was the old model of spend your life doing something. And he was very good at it, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people like this. And then at some point later on down the road, you get to go and enjoy your, you know, your senior years doing something. And I've heard it said that millennials watched that and said, you know what? I don't want that to be me. I want to, I don't want to wait until I'm 65 to live the life or to live my dreams, but I want to do that in my 20s. And, and you're, so I think that's one of the interesting things that we're seeing is the millennial generation are expecting more from work. They're expecting more from companies. And they're re, it's one of the things that I'm really proud about, uh, the, the millennial generation. I see, I see it in you. I see it in other millennials on our staff and millennials that I've, had, I've been blessed with the opportunity to work with is they're looking at life differently through a different lens of what's going to make me happy. How can I, as you said very eloquently, be connected to my passion and my goals and my dreams, but to be living that out every single day? And I think it's having a positive impact. Right? So you know, millennials, I think a lot of times can get maligned for a lot of different things, but I think it would be unfair not to highlight the things that the millennial generation is doing very well. And I think that the millennial generation is helping rewrite work and how we perceive work and how we connect work uh, with our passions and our dreams. Uh, I, I, I love watching you, right? Uh, and the rest of our staff be very connected, not only to what we're doing here as a company, but then to also the passion projects that we have here within the local community and, the, uh, and serving in Sub-Sahara Africa or serving in Latin America. Uh, it's just very motivating. All right, well, since we are talking about millennials, and trying to get a little bit better understanding of them. I mean, we were part of the podcast is that we're supposed to learn, right? <laughs> I'm just, I'm curious on a, on a couple of things. So can I ask you a few rapid fire questions? Of course, to, I'll do my best uh, to answer right. them. Oh, you'll do great. <laughs> all right. So 
what is an exotic place that is on your bucket list to visit and why? Because you just came back from an epic vacation in Hawaii. So I know Hawaii can't be on that. That was pretty cool. But yes, I'm wanting to, I'm realizing how much experiences mean to me. That's mm -hmm. how I would like to spend my days and my money sometimes too. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to go to New Zealand. Oh, nice. I was reading about it in a book and then the book was called At Home in the World. And she basically chronicles how she travels all around the world for an entire year with her whole family and homeschools her children. And the experiences she wrote about in New Zealand sounded like a fantasy. Just calm and sweet, cozy. I picture cute little cottages. It just sounds yeah. really cool. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, it's going to be a long flight. <laughs> it's be a very long flight. Yes. Yeah, save up those, uh, those frequent flyer miles. Okay, Casey, so another question I have for you. Who is a, a current thought leader in life that inspires you or like a somebody that you look up to? Well, I very much look out for a lot of female entrepreneurs out there from a lot of notable companies. I, uh, such as like Brene, Brene Brown, she's, Ooh, a, she's a leading author, entrepreneur. Yes. She writes incredible novels and books mm -hmm. about emotional intelligence, mm -hmm. vulnerability, especially in the workplace. I think that's so interesting. I love to hear her perspective on that and how I can incorporate it into what I do and how I'm navigating my career as mm -hmm. I start out. Other entrepreneurs too that are kind of in that space. Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx. Have you ever done any reading on her? I've heard about her, but I haven't read oh, about yeah, her. That, that's a good one. Okay. It, yeah, she's got a really incredible story about how she started this company and she was doing something else at the time and kind of had a side hustle. And I mean, she's a self-made billionaire. Yeah. And I mean, that company is just, you know, killing it. A thought leader I think of a lot is my dad. Oh, yeah. His words come back to me over and over. You quote him here in the <laughs> office all the time. I'm like, I need to meet this guy. This guy is smart. You, you were blessed to have a really smart dad. He's very smart. He is a serial entrepreneur. He's always got an idea. Mm -hmm. He... um He's just a jack of all trades. Ask him about investments and he knows. Ask mm -hmm. him about how to fix a car and he knows. Ask him now ask him how to cook uh, something. He might is not as good yeah. at that. But um, he's just very knowledgeable. I go to him a lot for mm -hmm. business wisdom, for uh, just how to conduct myself in a professional workplace, how to handle situations mm -hmm. with, with poise mm -hmm. and grace and how to navigate maybe be conflict mm -hmm. sometimes too. He's just very knowledgeable. He's had a lot of experience and expertise in those areas. And I find that really valuable. Well, well, you've been super blessed. I know that there's been multiple times I've been in a staff meeting and you've said, you know, here's a quote that my dad always <laughs> says, like, man, that guy is smart. When it sticks with you, you know, yeah. you know, you've done a good job. <laughs> sure. Well, you can tell your dad, I've been uh, tweeting some of his quotes. <laughs> so, um, with it sounds like you've got some you know great mentors, coaches, people that you look up to in life uh, that have that have helped you. Uh, what are some of the the books? Maybe a, a book or two that you're reading currently, or maybe one of your favorite books that's really impacted you in life. Mm. There is one that I just recently finished, and it's called Windows of the Soul, and it's just about how to how to look through life and look through the windows and stop and take a moment to pause and look at look at the window mm -hmm. that's in your life. And um, it's, faith is really important to me. So to look through that window of faith mm -hmm. to see what opportunity it presents, what I can learn from it, what, what God might be speaking to me through it. Mm -hmm. 
and just to, to pause and be still in those moments, especially when our lives are so busy. It's been very, um, just a good, a good book to remind me to be still. Um, in the book, actually, it talks about how to be a still axis. And the axis amidst a globe is actually what gives stability to the globe so that the globe can keep spinning. But the axis is what gives it stability. And I just loved that. It's just stuck with me so much. And that's been a book I've just loved. Um, one, another one I um, recently read was Counterfeit Gods. And kind of just thinking about the idols you have in your life um, and how they're impacting the way you think, the way you spend your money, the way you interact in your workplace. Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you after power? Are you after success? Are you after greed and money? What are your motives in, in and through those, those things? And are your motives right? Are they wrong? Mm-hmm. Just to think through those things. And that's been really powerful, especially as I'm just starting my job. You know, I'm mm-hmm. just having regular income start pouring into my life. And so how am I going to handle that? How am I going to handle the influence I have in my workplace? What am I going to do with that? And it's been really, really impactful in the way I make decisions and the way I interact day to day. That's one of the things that I so appreciate about you is how intentional you are and the, the way that you take time to view the world. And I think that one of the reasons why you are or have been as successful, you know, here at Vera, but also when when we were together at Crown, is it, I, I don't know too many young people who take time to think and ponder the things that you're that you're thinking and pondering about. So that's a, a credit both to you, to your parents, and you know, just to how you're trying to be intentional in your life. And so I just want to say thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I have I'm surrounded by wonderful mentors and bosses and leaders who are inspiring me to make the most of my time right now and learn the most right now. You're, you've, you've iterated how many times this season of my life is so important. So I want to make the most of it and do it, try to do it well. Of course, I'm, I'll make mistakes and I will fail. Yeah. <laughs> and that's inevitable. And so I hope I, I learned from it and I hope I have a smile on my face even when I do. But well, you know, our motto is if you're not failing, you're not trying hard enough, right? So, so I got to try a little harder. Try a little harder. Let's do it. Yeah, failure is okay. Just we don't want to make the same mistake twice, right? Mm-hmm. All right. All right. What are some of your pet peeves? What are, what are pet peeves for millennials too? Hmm. My pet peeves are when people say, um, in speeches. I, uh, um, yeah. um yeah. <laughs> It must have been when I was in college, you know, you have to give up, you had to get up there and give so many presentations and talk often. And they always say, you know, don't say, um, and then, cause then you just start counting how many times people say, um, and you're not even listening to them anymore. So that's all I end up doing. If people ever start, I don't even ask me what they said after that. I start counting you start, all the ums. Oh, wow. <laughs> all right. Well, now I know what you're doing in the audience. If you're ever, if, <laughs> so what are some pet peeves for, for millennials? So outside of the ums for you, is there anything else? And then what would you think would, from a generational perspective, what would be a pet pet peeve for millennials? Is there one, a standard one? Recently, I've kind of been looking at the generations ahead of me, and sometimes there's such a lack of hope, such a lack of, of a forward-looking perspective. Mm. And... Why do we take that? Why why is that perspective taken? You have life is so full, life is so meaningful and impactful. 
why not make the most of every season you're in, even if you're in a later season or a younger season? Why not make the most of it? Mm-hmm. And why not look forward or, yeah, look forward into the future with hope that you can do it. You you could take that epic trip. You could find work that resonates with your passion. You could learn more. You could read more. Mm-hmm. You could. You're just choosing not to. So it's like a disconnect between uh, maybe who you want to be and the actions you're taking to make it. That's uh, That sort of... Uh, confuses me and I, mm-hmm. it's it's sad sometimes too because there's a, a loss of, of hope. Okay, see that is a really interesting point. And since I am a generation ahead of you, right? So you're kind of on the cusp of uh, being a millennial and I'm uh, Gen X. One of the things that I've noticed, right? So a person who is in their mid 40s and have a lot of friends in that same kind of age group, right? There's what happens in life, and it's sad. You, you mentioned it. You're, you're seeing it from your your vantage point, right? You're looking at it through your lens as a younger person saying, how come this person doesn't have more hope? How come this person has this fatalistic view on life? How come they can't have a, you know, a better uh, an outlook in life? I, I can look at it through a complete, I can see that person through a completely different lens and see them differently. Understanding that everything that you're saying is completely true, but when they're, they're, and there's a lot of people. I mean, because I've I've talked with them on various radio shows, right? Where mm-hmm. they'll call in, you can just hear it in their voice. These are people that I've never met, but you can literally hear the pain in their voice, and they'll yeah. start telling you their story. And it was like, you know, I got let go here, and you know, I wasn't able to go to college or get schooling because of this, and I've had this issue, and I've had that issue, and I've had, you know, and it's just it's a trail of missteps, disappointments you know, dreams that didn't materialize. And, you know, you, you look back like when people are in high school, right? And it's that, that, that I, idyllic time for most people in life where everyone's provided for, their future is bright, and, you know, anything is possible. And upon graduation, everybody goes their separate ways. But I tell you what, within 10 years, that first 10-year reunion, you can see that there is a huge quantum leap where people have gone and what people have done and, 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 and then life call it disasters or whatever have happened. And, and there's a huge separation that happens mm. for a lot of people right after graduation, just based on you know life and the and directions they decide to take. Uh, so I can see people who are in mid-career who have had a series of difficult events and challenges in life where they've been a dreamer. They've, they've had hope. They've, they have been working hard. They've been striving and they've been, and, and they, and they're just, they're tired. And they're like, I've tried so hard. I've done absolutely everything. I've played by the rule book, right? I've played by the rule book. And one of the things I write about in both of my books is that the rule book that we've been given by our parents is wrong. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's not that our parents were bad. It's the rule book that we used for people to be successful for generations. But the world is being rewritten around us. If we're playing a game of checkers, right? And then all of a sudden in the middle of the game, I change it and say, no, you know what? We're going to play chess now. Uh, and you're playing checkers, <laughs> I'm playing chess, you know, you, you're, you're going to be very frustrated. You're not, you have no chance of winning. I don't know how to play this right? game. I was playing a different yeah. one. And so that's what's happening right now. And so I can see people mid-career, I've talked with them, who life can be tragic. Life is a series of ups and downs. And so I can understand why someone can be, you know, mid-career or late career and just be almost tired mm-hmm. and hopeless, despondent, 
whether for themselves or whether for what they see going on in the world, and almost feel like, you know what, I, I, I've done everything. I don't know what else to do. And you, you bring up a really very important point that I want to highlight here is that one of the things that brings me a lot of motivation and encouragement is I love mentoring and being around millennials and seeing how you guys view the world. And, and it's, it's healthy for me to constantly be around that energy and that enthusiasm and to see the world through those fresh eyes. It's one of the things that I love about being a father of a three-year-old son right now. So mm-hmm. I got, I have six <laughs> kids, but my youngest is three. And so I get to go home every single night. And after everything that I navigate through the course of a given day, I get to like get down on all fours on the carpet <laughs> and play with him and see the world through his eyes, completely innocent. And it's, just a, a breath of fresh air of how he sees and engages with the world and everything is full of hope and optimism. And what happens a lot of times is over life as people mature and live and experience um, the pains and trials of life, there's a lot of folks who can get mid-career, late career and just be despondent and feel like, you know what, I just, I've been doing my best. It just seems like the deck is stacked against me and I haven't had success. And one of the things that I want us to be able to do is to be able to breathe life for some of the, for those folks and to say, Hey, look, there's a, um, it's never too late to start over. It's never too late to have a do over. And with the right information and with the right coaching, the right mentorship, um, we're seeing people today that are having, you know, incredible successes late in their career, in their encore career. We're seeing that they're saying that 60, right, is the new 40. So if we're living, you know, with the with advancements of technology and healthcare and so forth, we're going to be living a lot longer than our parents and grandparents did. Therefore, we're going to have to engineer our lives differently. I think it's ridiculous to be thinking about retirement at the age of 65, right? Now, that's kind of a whole different podcast, right? I, I don't plan on retiring because I love what I do. I mean, I would be absolutely miserable not, you know, working and being engaged in, in business. This is fun for me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's a lot of people like, oh, I just can't wait until I can retire at 65. And I'm like, well, how, how can we reframe that? How can we look at things differently? But I'm sharing this for people who might be, you know, 60 or so. You know, 60 is the new 40, we're going to be living longer. We can, we can, we, we can pivot and can re- completely recreate our life. We can re-engineer our life, do something radically different and have success. So, uh, we, you know, one of the things that we'll talk about in a, in a later episode is this idea where, you know, we had, we have to have success early and somehow if we don't have success early in our, you know, we're not super successful in high school or college or right, you know, right out in our early part of our career that somehow the world has passed us by and we're never going to be able to achieve it. There's actually some books, very prominent authors that are being written and released right now that chronicle and highlight that the, uh, for the vast majority of human history, the greatest achievements, the greatest discoveries have all come from people who have been later stage in life who have life experiences, who have some battle scars. Right now we're living in this world where we're celebrating all these millennials, young people who are starting companies in their dorm rooms in college and they're becoming you know, billionaires overnight. It's not indicative of how the world has worked from the dawn of civilization. That's something that's happened just recently, but that for those people who maybe feel like the world you know, passed them by and have lost hope, don't lose hope. So for me, I think it's important to be engaged 
you know, with, with young people. It brings energy and excitement in my life to be able to coach and mentor and be able to see the world through a different set of lenses and perspectives. And I certainly hope that, that we are, through this podcast, able to encourage those people, as you, you very accurately described it, that there, and there's a segment of society that feels, uh, can feel hopeless at times. And, and there's nothing more powerful than hope. And we want to be able to provide it. And I don't mean that in any negative way. It's just an observation, a, no, learning, it, a learning point for, for us as millennials. Also, yeah, to look to the generation to learn and hopefully navigate it. I didn't take it as negative. I took it as truth. I mean, that's, you, you see it and experience it around you. That's, it's, it's truth. And what I'm just highlighting is that I see it too. And I, but I also, you know, having lived life with some of those people can understand why. Now look, there's, there's some people in life that are just fatalistic from, from day one, right? They're just, <laughs> there, there's people who have learned how to be a professional victim and I cannot stand that. I am, you know, I just, I, I think we live in a time of abundance. We live in a time of opportunity. We live in a time where we can dictate and engineer our lives like no other generation has ever been able to do. This is such an exciting time to live. There's so much opportunity. There's so much good to be done. And, but there are people in, in society that have just become professional victims and they just know how to constantly put on a pity party and be like, <laughs> well, you know, I'm just going to be lazy, not do anything and just whine and complain about everything. I'm just like, I don't have time for you. You know, I'm not going to try it. This podcast is not for that person, right? This podcast is for, you know, people who you know, take, take responsibility and be like, hey, I want to lean into this, right? I, I'm excited about what's happening. I want to, I want to get better. On behalf of all of those who are in college or just graduated or on their first job, I thank you so much for your example of leadership, your example of character and education. Uh, it's very inspiring and it brings clarity to kind of what to do and how to navigate, how to navigate it well and how to na navigate it really well mm -hmm. to set ourselves up for the best success we can have. So I appreciate that. Oh. Thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you. I, I, I couldn't do this without you. So it's, it's mutual. Thanks. And uh, I certainly appreciate and I'm so, uh, very thankful that you're part of the team. I, I, I consider it a massive win for our organization that we were able to have you come over and, and join the team. I share with folks, I think it was like, uh, you know, in, in the sports world, you've got the, um, the lottery, right? You have the, 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 <laughs> the, the drawings uh, when you get like a first round draft pick, right? And so <laughs> you were definitely a first round draft pick for us and uh, you have done an incredible job. We're going to have a ton of fun. So I guess that this will be the sign off <laughs> of our very first episode. And we certainly hope that for those of you that are listening, that you've enjoyed this, uh, that you've gotten a little insight in terms of what we're wanting to cover, the topics and the people, and we're going to try to make it rich and insightful, have a whole host of guests that will bring their life experiences that we believe will be inspiration and encouragement to each and every one of you. We want you to share this with your friends and family and people who you think would find value in this podcast. And if you have somebody that you think would be a great guest, someone that you would like to learn from, don't hesitate to reach out to us, get in touch with Casey, and we will do a good job or, or our best, I should say, of trying to score that interview with that individual. But once again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention. Hope you really enjoyed this podcast and we will talk with you soon. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Taking the Leap podcast with your host, Bob Dickey. 
You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at www.takingtheleappodcast.com and bonvera.rocks. You can also find the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Taking the Leap.